You are listening to Readers and Writers with your host, James Hill and Athena Paris of Rock Hill Publishing. I am Amy Ravishandran, and today we're talking about research. What kind of research goes into fiction and nonfiction books? I know it's crazy to believe that fiction books actually require a lot of research. I know when I learned that, it was kind of interesting to know if you're world building and all of this, you have to make it realistic. Nonfiction, it's a given that you have to research those kind of things. So... Who wants to dive in first on the whole research topic? Okay. <laughs> do you want to do it? You want to go first? It's fine. But yes, fiction needs a lot of research, believe it or not, because you're creating a world. And people forget about things like, so what does my world look like? What's the flora? What's the fauna? Is water the same color as on earth as we know it, you know, in our world, um, are the mountains filled with diamonds, perhaps? Is there a magic system? Do they have a religion? What is the economy like? The, what kind of government is uh, working on this, uh, um, in this world that I'm creating? Is it a completely um, away from the world as we know it, or is it an imaginary world on earth as is. For example, my the difference is this. Um, the Lord of the Rings is set, it's called Middle Earth. It's earth because there were men in it as well. So all there were different races of uh, people. Whereas you create um, a science fiction, for example, will be completely set out in a different world. They are not related to the world as we know it. And therefore you can create everything from scratch because they don't have to have any uh, strings attached to the world. So right. that is the kind of difference of, of uh, research that you have to do in your fiction. Right, but even when you create a completely different world than the one we're used to, it still had to obey physical laws and, yes. and you know, natural laws. So if you want to put somebody on a planet that 10 times the size of Earth, you have to know that gravity is going to be tremendous. So these beings have got to be giants, not because the planet is so big or because the planet is so big, but they wouldn't be able to stand up against the, the weight of gravity. Or they will have to be gelatinous, jello-type creatures. You know, you, one or the other. But you can't have somebody that's, you know, built like a human being and say, well, they're on a planet, this planet is 10 times the size of, of Earth. Because anybody who knows anything about physics is going to call you out on that. They're going to say, well, how is this person even able to stand up? You know, much less walk around because of the fact that gravity will just squash him. So the guy better be a rock creature or they better be galactic. They better be like jello where, you know, the gravity wouldn't matter because they'll be fluid mostly. Uh, other things that you have to think about is like you were saying, magic. You have to research on what your what is your magical thing? Is it innately in you yeah, know, you, in the person, is it something that people are born with? Is it something people learn? If you learn yeah, magic, what are the your, your magic system? Yes. Yeah. 
what what are the tenets? You know, you, you can't contradict yourself. You can't say, well, we learned these magic and, you know, we have these spells and we learned them and blah, blah, blah. But then you can't turn around and say, but this guy just happens to do it. <laughs> you know, he didn't learn anything. He just happens to be able to do it. The, the two don't jive, you know, so you have to, so you have to do your research on whether or not, and then you have to come up with the idea, where did the magic come from? Because everything has to come from somewhere. You know, you just can't all of a sudden say, okay, there's magic in the world, but what is the basis of that magic? Is it, you know, something that's because of organic? Is it something yeah. chemical? You know, what is your basic to the magic? Is it spiritual magic? So when you go into these things, you have to research what each property of your of your system of your story is. It's much more research done in fiction than I would say in nonfiction. But nonfiction, you're just looking up facts. You're just looking up dates, what happened, who did this, who did that type of thing. You know. Yeah, but when you talk about topic. fiction, yeah, you're crossing a lot of boundaries. <laughs> So you so you better get it right, and people are going to call you out more often than not on fiction than they will on on uh, nonfiction, unless yeah, you write stuff like self help. Yeah, well, nonfiction people will automatically assume that you are at least uh, versed um, in whatever yeah. topic you're writing about. So if you're writing about ceramics, obviously it means you've done made a pot a cup or something before and you've got a love for it and you're going to talk about all kinds of things and you're going to have pictures and you're going to have um, uh, recipes for how you do this you're going to have your your table you're going to be doing demonstrations that's a book about ceramics you know it makes sense but whereas in fantasy you're creating everything so you have to make it believable not stretch the imagination and if you're going to stretch somebody's imagination you have to give them the most plausible uh, reasons of why it is like james said if you're on a planet 10 times bigger your people need to be 10 almost 10 times bigger as well than what we are on in this world why because it makes sense for that planet so that is uh, the thing that uh, a lot of writers forget is that they think they can just create everything from nothing and then they don't have to be uh, give explanations and as far as nonfiction was going i would think like when you talk talking about historical historical writing and things like that because those things people can look up and they can make sure that the dates are correct you know yeah. they can say if you write in the nonfiction about the Civil War or the American Revolution or the war between England and France or whatever, you know, there's a certain amount of data out there that's verifiable. So as long as you don't yeah. mess up that data, then you're pretty safe with what you're writing. Now, you can bring in your own opinions as to why and how, well, not too much how, but pretty much why. You can bring mm -hmm. in your own idea and slanted to your own way of thinking about why some things happen uh but the data that that you're talking about 
is verifiable. So therefore you have to get that right. And it's not that hard to go look it up. It's hard if you don't know how to do research. You know? yeah. It's hard to say, where, where do I go? If I want to write about the Civil War or let's say a battle in the Civil War, then I'm going to have to go pretty much to that area, pretty much to libraries or, or museums. And I'm going to have to look up what the people did, how they lived, you know, what happened in the battle. And now on that part of data, with that amount of data, I can write this story and I can give my opinion as to why this battle took place, why was it important, um, and why they won or lost. Now that's that's really an opinion. It's not data driven. One person won, one side lost, and the why of it all is up to interpretation. Some people will say, well, you know. The reason why these people lost was because their leader was bad. You know, he was a drunk. Uh, a lot of people say Grant was lucky because, you know, they said Grant was a drunk and a bad leader, but he was lucky because he had a lot of people who followed him and they kept throwing more and more troops behind him. So, yeah. yeah. So they said, had they, had they not, had he not had the reputation that he had, he would have lost the Civil War because he was a bad leader and, and you know, but they say he had a reputation before the civil war broke out. So because he had a reputation, they believed in him and they kept throwing troops and everything and following what he said and sooner or later, they just won because they outlasted the South. Pretty much is the reason why the North won. Had more resources, they was able to keep sending more and more troops and, you know, with any war, the reason why one side wins and the other side loses, the one side had more resources, you know, and are willing to keep sending people in. Like the reason why we lost Vietnam, because at some point we were not willing to continue fighting. It became a, a lost cause to us. It was like, well, no one wants this war. We've been in it for a decade, two decades, you know, we decided, hey, we put enough into this thing and we're not getting anywhere. And so at some point we left the Vietnamese, uh, the Viet Cong won. Not because they were better fighters, not because they had better materials or better generals or anything else. It's simply because they was able to last and it was their country. Yeah. You know, so at some point or another, that's what decides all war, you know. Who's willing to bleed the most, basically? Yeah, that's interesting, yeah. though. Like back at the beginning when you said, you know, actually a lot people will call you out on your things for fiction books and not so much for nonfiction books. Because like if I'm reading like a health book or something like that, you're very much right. <laughs> I won't call them out <laughs> if it's not true. I'll just be like, oh, well, this did not work for me. You know, <laughs> this person did not know what they were talking about. But if it's like, you know, a sci-fi and like you were saying, you know, you have this big planet with like itty bitty people on it and you're just like, well, this makes no sense. I can't wrap my head around it, you know? So I think that is true. I never actually like stopped to realize that because I was thinking about it and I have like a book over here I was looking at and then behind me, I was looking at like, you know, the technology thrillers that I read, murder suspense. And if it doesn't have like, 
you know, elements from like me watching CSI or first 48 or whatever, you know, where I'm like, that would not happen at all. You know, far fetched, <laughs> like in those like super far fetched movies. And you're like, their back would be broken. So like they would be dead, you know, all those things They people will call you out on it. And I think that is the, what you said at the beginning is very much true. I hadn't stopped to think about it that we call people out a lot more on their research for fiction than nonfiction, which is odd. If you really stop to think about it, you know, that's their world that they're creating. Why wouldn't you call people more people out for nonfiction book and the research that goes into it? It's kind of backwards a little bit, but I do the same thing. So I've never actually stopped to think about that at One all. One of my favorite things is James Bond. And if yeah. you, ever, you ever watch James <laughs> Bond movies and stuff like that? One of the Funniest quote I ever heard was from a guy who was actually a CIA spy and everything. And the guy said, well, what about the James Bond? And, and the guy said, James Bond will be dead in 10 minutes. <laughs> you know, he goes well, through and he tells everybody his secret identity and yeah. everybody knows he's a spy. <laughs> so, <laughs> everybody you know, knows, right? <laughs> how's he going to last? They- I love those. I love those movies, though. But I, I like the, I, the older ones. With Sean Connery and uh, Roger Moore. Those are my favorites. There was one movie that came out where James Bond is racing on the thing to catch up with the airplane. Because, you know, the other guy, he gets knocked off the airplane. The plane Mm -hmm. is flying toward the edge of the cliff. He knocks the guy out, jumps on a motorcycle. He's gunning this thing after the plane. And the plane goes off the cliff and starts flying down. And he goes off the cliff with the thing. And, of course, he falls back into the plane. And I'm like... Yes, there's no way <laughs> you can catch up to that plane. That plane is nose diving. Right. It's, it's accelerating down to the ground. He's in free fall. He's not speeding up. Yeah. You know? yeah. But of course, you have to suspend belief in, in, in science fiction <laughs> and in fiction. You have to suspend the idea of what's real and what's not, what's impossible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you yeah. and some fiction is you're looking for the impossible. You know, that's what makes it great. Yeah. You know it's impossible, but yet you want to see it happen. Yeah. Well, I think a lot of it is how you present it, right? The things that you show versus the things that you tell, right? Right. I think a lot of that is it is plays a key role into, you know, when you're reading it and you're like, that was so cool. Yeah, it totally could happen. And when you watch it, you're like, that would never happen, you know? (laughs) It definitely brings to light, you know, the whole show and tell and what, when to do it and when to do it correctly and which one to do, I think for sure. But we're going to be learning more about that next week. I know next week we are talking about show and tell. That's not one that you're going to want to miss. But you guys, this has been Readers and Writers. So until next week, we'll catch you all next week. We'll catch you all guys next week. Yeah. Hey, words are hard today, man. Words are hard. But until then, bye, everybody. Bye.